Do you love sports? You're in the right place. This is the Game On Podcast with your host, Christian Jones. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Game On Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Moran, with the Brownfield News and Brownfield Online. Today, we're not talking about sports, but an important topic for us all. We are joined with Lauren, Tabitha, and Stacy with the CASA organization. CASA is a short... Uh, so short term for court-appointed special advocates, CASA's vision is to provide an advocate for every child in foster care. I want to welcome you guys. How are y'all guys doing today? Hi, thank you good. so much. It's good to be here. So how serious is the volunteer shortage, would um, you say? So the volunteer shortage is pretty serious because we have, um, in 2021, had over 1,250 children in foster care of the six counties that Casa of the South Plains serves. Mm -hmm. And about 500 of them received the gift of a Casa volunteer. So if you do the math, there was over 750 children that did not have that receipt, that gift of one person uh, volunteering for their best interest. Wow. And so with that, I mean, what would you say is so is it because of COVID that, you know, people aren't being able to be an advocate here, you know, being able to help out? Um, I would not. I would definitely say that it is one um, thing that is in addition to just mm -hmm. the stressors of not being able to volunteer. But we do ask for a commitment of 12 to 18 months um, as a volunteer. And so our volunteer opportunity is a little bit different than going to the food bank or going to... Um, do one of the other numerous volunteer opportunities that are just mm -hmm. as important or that are very important as well but we do have diff just different constraints and requirements that we mm -hmm. um, ask of our volunteers awesome and so what do y'all do for uh for casa specifically so uh, I am the recruitment director, and mm -hmm. so my role is to go out to the community and try to just share about the need for our children in foster care and recruit trusted, trusted community members to mm -hmm. serve our children in foster care. And I'm the marketing and development director. So Tabitha and Lauren and I work really closely. You can't mm -hmm. recruit volunteers without building awareness in the community, and so we are always out trying to get the word out about CASA, what we do. We call our work vital. I think these children, their lives are completely changed because of CASA volunteers oh, yeah, stepped of course, up. And so in order to be able to support those volunteers, mm -hmm. we need funding. And so as a development director, we're out there building awareness in our financial needs, but then mm -hmm. also um, running our events. We do three events a year. And so that's a lot of fun. So that's that's kind of how we support the recruitment mm -hmm. efforts is by building awareness and raising the funds to support those volunteers once they come on, on board. Yes, ma'am. Then I am the marketing and events manager. So like Stacy said, um, we of course work really closely with recruitment, um, but we definitely spread that awareness through um, our website, social media, and of course the really fun events that we get to put on throughout the year. Yes, ma'am. And so as an advocate, what do they do specifically for these uh, foster kids? So I'll answer that because I was a coordinator prior mm -hmm. to recruitment director. And so a coordinator is a paid staff member who is assigned to a volunteer as they do the journey of advocating for children mm -hmm. in foster care. The volunteers do not do this role al alone. And so um, the volunteers, they meet the child 
Um, they read the affidavit of what happened to the child uh, to cause the removal, mm-hmm. and they build a trusted relationship with the child. Through that trusted relationship, they learn about all of the dynamics of the child's uh, life, their case. Um, they meet uh, associated parties, such as the caseworkers, the attorney at litems. Mm-hmm. Um, they just get a holistic picture of that child and their situation and determine at uh, what is the best interest at the end of this um mm-hmm case and so like for an example like uh so these kids you know they make a really nice bond with you know the advocate and so how many of them you know stay in uh stay intact and after you know they get adopted well i don't have a uh, statistic for that uh for that information but we tell our volunteers because that's a good question and many of our potential volunteers have that same question and we tell them it is up to the child and the family so after mm-hmm. they have done this 12 to 18 months of work um, and forming that bond with the CASA volunteer and the child we just say you know um, we ask respectfully for the child or the family of the child to initiate contact or to mm-hmm. approve that contact. Awesome. We do hear stories from advocates that you know, they might have served and walked through this journey with a child when they were an adolescent, in elementary school, maybe junior high, but yet they stay in contact and they go to their high school graduation mm-hmm. and they go to their college graduation. Oh, yeah. And so they, there are definitely advocates that stay a part of their lives. But we also hear stories we were talking before is during the case, our volunteers, A, are the only unpaid person Mm -hmm. on this child's child welfare case. And so they're there, the volunteers are there because of their compassion and their heart. They heard that these children needed something and they were motivated by their heart to go help. And so we hear from volunteers that tell us, my CASA youth told me when they ran away that my phone number was the only one that they Mm -hmm. had memorized. And that's very indicative of a relationship that they yeah. trust. And that's that's a perfect example of what our volunteers are doing with these kids. Yeah, and I mean, it just seems like these advocates just really care for you, uh, for the kids that are in the foster child, uh, foster child service. And I mean, to just to hear stuff like that, it's just heartbreaking because no kid should be able to go through all that by themselves, you know, at a young age. And so to hear that advocates are out here, you know, helping out. Just being, just being there for them mostly. I mean, that's that's nice. And you know, how does that make y'all feel when when you get to hear stories like that? Well, I always say I work for Casa, and I'm so proud to be a part of the <laughs> Casa family because we are. Literally, it sounds so cliche, but we are literally changing the lives of these children. We're mm-hmm. not helping them find a meal for dinner that they might not have that is definitely needed and an imperative part of our community. But we're coming into a situation that these kids would have no understanding of what their tomorrows hold while in foster care. And they're on one pathway in life, but because a cost of volunteers said, no, not on my watch, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do what it takes to get your best interest accomplished. That child's life changed course forever. Oh, yeah, it's we like have, the only stability that they have at that point. Yes, so exactly. It's and nice. You know, something that I learned when I first came into CASA that I did not know about the child welfare system is mm-hmm. that a child, once they're put into foster care, they can be moved from placement to placement to placement. Sometimes we have kids who have been in four or five different placements in one mm-hmm. semester. And with that, it there's a potential to move from school to school to school mm-hmm. every time they're in a new placement. And so 
I mean, seventh grade was hard enough for me. Oh, yeah, for sure. one house. Can you imagine having to go through seventh grade? Let's be three weeks at this school and now six weeks at this school and try to, A, stay with your brain intact to be able to learn Mm -hmm. and accomplish what it takes to graduate seventh grade. But also to feel normal and accepted in a peer group and have friends. And so our advocates are there to help add some normalcy Mm -hmm. back into a chaotic system, but also to just remind that kid that this is a temporary situation and we're gonna do everything we can to get them back home safely or help them find an adoptive family where they are in a safe, Mm -hmm. permanent place. And so with CASA, you know, how many how many of those kids are like adopted with y'all? How, do y'all have like any st- statistics on that or anything? Yeah. So last year, Tabitha kind of went a little bit through the numbers that are ha- were in 2021. Mm-hmm. So of the 1,250 kids-ish that were in foster care in the six counties, we served about 40% of those 500 children last mm-hmm. year. Of those 500, we saw 192 of those children were um, found permanency. So that means they either were able to go back home with their immediate family with mom and dad, because they, they made the changes that needed to happen. And they showed that this is a a safe home environment, or they were able to go to aunt and uncle or grandma and grandpa, Mm -hmm. or if those weren't uh, like possible, then they were adopted by a new family who wanted them and Mm -hmm. ultimately wanted to give them a normal childhood back. And I know you, uh, the last time we spoke, you get, uh, you gave me a, an amazing story about uh, the kid that was, you know, just on the edge of, you know, just getting out of the foster care system, being on his own. And he found, uh, what was it, his grandma? Yeah. So this young boy, I'll call him Joey for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So Joey. Joey was removed from his home because he was being abused by his parents, both parents, as a toddler. And then very quickly, was adopted by an adopted family, not family. Um, And then 10 years later, that adopted family said they didn't want him anymore. And so they returned Joey back to the state. And what was found out through that process was that Joey had been experiencing abuse for 10 years by his adopted family. And so here's a young boy who's biological family abused him and then another family stepped in and they abused him and so you can imagine he had some behavioral issues Mm -hmm. and he with by the age of say 13 was living in a residential treatment center which is for all intents and purposes juvenile jail Mm -hmm. it's very stale and stark and he was often having to be restrained because of his behavioral issues and then a judge assigned a CASA volunteer and everything changed. So that CASA volunteer was able to dig into his court records and look at his medical records and his educational records, his therapy records. And in that research figured out, um, well, first saw that his file said he was um, in this residential treatment center and was expected to be there until he aged out at 18 because of his behavioral problems. Mm-hmm. And it said he was no longer adoptable. And so, and he had no family. So the CASA researched and was able to actually find his grandparents. And when she reached out to them, they were shocked and thrilled because they were told that Joey died when he was six years old. So they weren't even looking for Joey. And so within a very short amount of time, the grandparents jumped through all the hoops and got all the certifications and proved that they wanted and were worthy and a stable home. And Joey was adopted and is now a thriving teenager back into normal 
teenager things, you know, mm -hmm. and every time the volunteer talks to him still, he's just singing praises and is so happy to be with his family because that's he amazing. says, I, they know me, they're my family, they're my mm -hmm. blood. And so we're, that's, Joey's an awesome, awesome boy. And it just shows you if somebody believes in you, your life can change. Oh yeah. And for advocates, I mean, that, that's definitely amazing to see, but for an advocate, what do, what are the steps that they have to do to, you know, to be a, a CASA representative for y'all? Yeah. So the first thing we ask them to do is attend a CASA 101, which mm -hmm. is a one hour, no obligation information session where we discuss all of the things about the becoming a CASA volunteer, mm -hmm. uh, commitment, requirements, what it means to a child to have a CASA volunteer. And then we have them participate in an interview um, as we are bringing many people um, from our community and putting them mm -hmm. in front of children in foster care that have experienced a lot. We do um, our due diligence of ensuring that they are a safe, trusted person for our children in foster care to um, be in contact with. So we have an interview and then we do a training. We offer six trainings a year. We try to make them as flexible as possible. So we have a couple of different options to choose from as far as days, evenings, weekends. Um, and then after the training is completed, we have a celebration um, mm -hmm. where our judge comes in and swears in our volunteers because these volunteers are legally appointed by the judge to serve this child mm -hmm. and so um and then they are assigned to their coordinator and their children awesome that's that's just amazing and i mean with that uh i know y'all guys are having some big things going on i mean you know you got the mm -hmm. the golf tournament going on at yeah. rawls uh golf course at texas mm -hmm. tech uh, so is what kind of other things do you do besides all, all that kind of stuff so um, essentially all of our events, the main goal is to raise that awareness, right? Um, you know, volunteers are vital to our mission. Mm -hmm. And so these events that we put on throughout the year allow us to raise awareness of the great need that we always need when it comes mm -hmm. to volunteers. But um, also we rely heavily on community support for funding. That way we can serve more children. Um, so in June, we wrapped up uh, Casas for Casa. Our goal was 50,000 and that's, um, you know, uh, we have community members that donate playhouses and stuff and mm -hmm. we ended up exceeding that goal tremendously uh, awesome. with the help of our community. And then uh, on October 10th, we're gonna have our inaugural uh, golf tournament mm -hmm. at uh, the Rawls course, like you had mentioned. And we're just really excited because um, we know that it's going to open us up to a new audience mm -hmm. and you know spread more awareness with that. But it also allows us to um, let community members come out, get involved, get to know who we are as a nonprofit, mm -hmm. what we stand for, what our mission is, and um, you know just just create that inclusiveness to where anyone and everyone's welcome to come have fun and play and then also learn a little bit about CASA as well. Yes, ma'am. And one so, thing, oh, oh, go ahead. No. I was just going to say one thing we're really excited about the golf tournament mm -hmm. is a lot of people don't know that children in foster care, more than 50% of them in the South Plains are mm -hmm. boys, but less than 20% of our volunteers are men. And so gotcha. these children are going through really traumatic, sometimes embarrassing things mm -hmm. that they they want to be able to share and it's hard to do that 
as a boy to share with a woman that you just met. Mm -hmm. And so we're excited that the Mm -hmm. golf tournament is going to hopefully get us out in front of a lot more men that will Mm -hmm. be able to learn about our mission and what we do and be really moved to want to jump on board and be an advocate because we have boys out there that really need some men to volunteer. Well, and like Tabitha mentioned earlier, it is between a 12 and 18 month commitment, but Mm -hmm. the really cool thing is it's 10 to 15 hours a month. And so, um, you know, these volunteers are able to work it into their schedules. They know um, way ahead of time when a court date is or things like that. And Mm -hmm. so truthfully, from a lot of the volunteers that we've spoke with, they they love it because they get to spend their free time making an impact on a child. And, you know, it's it's just a way for them to be able to make a difference. So would you say that advocates are just there for more like moral support just to, you know, be the rock for these kids? I wouldn't say more so. So in our mission statement, um, there's a, a, a segment that always just touches my heart every time I read our mission statement mm-hmm. in our CASA 101. And it's um, provide hope and healing Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as you mentioned, m- moral support, but also collaborate with other professionals. Because as Stacy mentioned, like sometimes like literally aging out of care and then ACASA comes in and is like, nope, not under our watch and changes the the path for that child. And so literally like their future, their outcome is changed because an unpaid person says like looks into this information, looks through all of the files and then how can I create a better outcome for this child? So I'm actually, I have a case that I'm volunteering on as well. And I just wrote, finished up the court report. So these advocates, they're there to build relationship with this child and help them know they're not alone. But also the flip side, and just as important, we're researching, like I said, medical records. We're working with counselors and teachers to make sure their education plan follows them from school to school. We're looking at their therapy, what's needed, and we're then putting all of that information in a report that we give to the judge, and the mm-hmm. judge uses that to make the call and decide what ha- what's going to happen legally for that child. And so I think it's, it's so much more than just being moral support and helping get a sense of normalcy during the case. It's like Tabitha just said, it's advocating in court for the change that needs to happen to be done. Yes, ma'am. And so I'm just curious from for me, I'm like, what made y'all want to be in this profession? What what inclined y'all to do this? So I'll start with myself. So um, my passion is I was in foster care mm-hmm. um, for about five years during my childhood, and I received the gift of a CASA volunteer. And so, you know, that has always been my passion. And so, like Stacy said, you know, it's an honor to every time, you know, someone asks and get to say, like, you know, I'm with CASA. That's amazing. Um, for me, I just enjoy, you know, having a passion about what I do every day. Um, you know, I think a lot of people wake up, they go to work. It's, it's just a day to day thing. Whereas for me, I wake up, I look forward to going to work, um, because I believe that every child deserves some type of normalcy in their life. Um, I'm aware that everybody's childhood is different, but I think every child deserves to have some sort of normalcy in their life. And so for me, it's just, it's hard to, you know, to 
see and hear that these children aren't getting to experience that. You know, like Stacy said, they're going from placement to placement or school to school. And I'm, mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't imagine them going through that at such a young age and feeling so alone. And so being able to, you know, work for Casa of the South Plains is truly an honor. And it's, it's good work that we get mm -hmm. to do here for someone else. And y'all guys just aren't here in Texas or South Plains. Y'all guys are all over the, the U.S., am I right? Mm -hmm. CASA is national. Oh, it's so there's, national. There's actually a national CASA, mm -hmm. but then there's also, <clears throat> excuse me, a Texas CASA, and mm -hmm. there's 72 currently other CASAs in Texas, but we are all our own individual 501c3s. And so we are a standalone nonprofit mm -hmm. that we actually pay membership to Texas CASA for standardization and um, accountability. And so through that membership, they do audits of our cases and make sure that we're standing up to what needs to happen most for these children and that we're doing it, you know, crossing the T's and dotting yes. all the I's properly. So, but there are definitely many, many counties out there in Texas that don't have a CASA representing them. Mm -hmm. There are several around us, um, but the six counties that we serve, we have slowly absorbed them mm -hmm. and adopted them. And so we've grown from just Lubbock County to Casa of the South Plains mm -hmm. and serving six counties because we see the need. Um, for me, what drives me and what brings me to work every day is that 60% of those kids that we're not serving right now, yes, of the 1,250, the 750 that Tabitha mentioned, like they deserve a CASA. They deserve somebody to stand in there with them and help explain what tomorrow looks like because these children, you know, were just living their life, experiencing what they were experiencing. And some stranger came to their home mm -hmm. and they had to throw everything they own that they could into a trash bag and get in a stranger's car and drive away to, they had no idea where they were going. And so I, that's what drives me is these children they don't deserve what they're being handed and they do deserve a CASA advocate to stand with them and say, you're loved, you're important, you're you're going to get through this and we're going to get you what's best for you. Oh, yes, ma'am. And I know when we uh, when we spoke uh, a while back, I mean, you said that especially in Brown or in Terry County mm -hmm. itself, there was about 36 p uh, kids in the foster care system mm -hmm. and only 11 got the blessing of an advocate. Good memory. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. pretty good on that. Yeah. I mean, but as far as that, what what do you think we uh, we as people could do to help out the community and get these kids some advocates? So we looked it up before you guys got mm -hmm. here, and currently there are only three advocates serving in Terry County that are from Terry County. So of those 11 kids, three of them are their local community members. And so what we're looking for, and Tabitha, you step in too, but we're looking for places that we can come in and hold information sessions. We're looking for community members to come to us and say, I want more information and we'll mm -hmm. come there. Go ahead and you tell all about it. Um, so yeah, so we are actively looking for locations, opportunities, um, just things going on in the community to go and spread the awareness. Um, I know we talked about challenges and things of that nature, you know, mm -hmm. pandemic and all of those good things, but this is a very flexible volunteer opportunity. So if there is a community member who's listening to this right now mm -hmm. and is like, maybe I have 10 to 15 hours a month, but I'm not sure. Do you have a friend that might 
have time to split that in half and go and help a child that is in foster care because we do have what's called a COCASA team. So just considering the option, supporting our fundraising mm -hmm. efforts, giving us opportunities to have CASA 101 information sessions at uh, a, their location, a restaurant, a business, whatever the case may be, just, you know, anything that someone can think of like, hey, I could help CASA, you know, just I encourage them to reach out to us. And so what would be the best way for, for these people to come and reach out to y'all? Um, you can always go to our website, which is, you know, probably the easiest way for people to remember, casaofthesouthplains.org. Um, but also um, via email, uh, my my uh, email address, Tabitha R at casaofthesouthplains.org. Um, Stacy, um, her contact information, if you want to say mm -hmm. your it's information. Stacy K at casaofthesouthplains.org, S-T-A-C-Y. Okay. And then Lauren's a little different. Hers is yeah. L White at Casa of the South Plains.org because we have two Laurens. <laughs> we have two Lauren W's, actually. Yeah. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So. And so, you know, before we wrap this up, is there anything that you would want to say uh, for the podcast or for the people out here in Brownfield? I think one of the things that struck me that I've heard most recently is if. You know, COVID, it sparked uh, a void mm -hmm. uh, or a recognition of a void in a lot of our lives. And people stepped back from volunteering, but they recognized a need for wanting to serve because they saw a greater need. And our volunteers, I've heard even recently one say that these volunteers got into CASA and wanted to be an advocate because they wanted to help change the life of a child. But actually what they're seeing is, yes, they're making an impact, and that's amazing, and they're very proud of that. But they're seeing they're being rewarded more so than they ever thought possible. And so that's what I would say. If there's anybody on the fence out there that's, oh, I want to volunteer, but I don't know what to do, and oh, this might be a long commitment, is that this is something that you will never forget, and mm -hmm. it's something that you couldn't trade for anything in the world. Yes, ma'am. Well, I just want to say before we end this podcast that y'all guys are amazing. I love what y'all guys are doing here, you know, helping out kids that need it the most. So, um, you know, we're people, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that these kids are beyond thankful for all of y'all, especially here around here. Thank you but very much. Thank you. Unfortunately, this is all the time that we have yeah. left. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Game On podcast, and we'll see y'all soon. Don't miss out on the action. Download the Brownfield News, Brownfield Online app, and take us everywhere. Never miss your favorite Terry County news, sports, and information. Download the Brownfield News app today.